Welcome. Hello, everybody. So good to hear the conversations happening in this room. I hope everybody who's tuned in online, I, I hope you've got other people around you today that you're part of a community, even as you, uh, as you plug into what's happening here online. And, uh, and even if you're not, uh, if you don't have people around you right now, please participate in the chat. Be part of the broader community that way, because uh, Jesus didn't call his disciples to a, a lone wolf discipleship. God created us for community, and uh, transformation, becoming more like Christ happens in the context of community and conversation. So uh, I'm glad to hear the conversations happening. I look forward to more conversation happening after today's teaching. We are in the traditional church calendar. We are in the season of Lent, the weeks leading up to Easter. Easter this year is March 31st, the, uh, the, the very end of March. Two days before that, Good Friday, uh, we're having our 17th annual Good Friday blood drive. Uh, yeah, seven, seven, our Good Friday blood drive is... Uh, it's been is you know is old enough to drive, um, and um, uh, I, I want to encourage you to think about to plan for being involved in the Good Friday Blood Drive. It happens right here in in this room on on Camp Phillips Road, and what we encourage people to do because that's the day in, in the traditional church calendar where we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made. We remember him. Uh, shedding his blood on the cross in order to save us. And we remember him by shedding some of our blood to save someone else. Uh, and especially if that's something that you haven't done before, that you feel really nervous about, this is an opportunity for you to focus on uh, donating blood as an act of, uh, of honoring what Christ did for you. Uh, as a uh, as a way to kind of get over your fear and your anxiety, and to say, if he could take nails for me, I can take a needle for someone else uh, in in order to honor him and in order to love my neighbor well. So that's Friday, March 29th. So think about plan for being part of the Good Friday blood drive. We've got lots of progress happening on the building, we're at a point where we're, we're more ready to engage with the 70,000 people in Marathon County who are not connected to any church uh, in, in a number of ways. Uh, one of them is inviting them to a Sunday morning event online or in person. Um, to that end, we have some, uh, some handy cards that can help that happen. I know uh, like the the person who does uh, who cuts my hair um, has talked about coming, and I'm I'm always like, yeah, it's yeah, ten o'clock on Sundays. You can find us on Facebook, and but I don't. How is she going to remember that? But if I can combine her interest along with something that's actually uh, that that she can put in her pocket, that she can hang on her refrigerator, um, then maybe that's more likely to happen. So if you're in this room, um, we've got some of those cards at this green table, some of them in the entryway. 
Uh, we had some by the, by, by the coffee. Megan, do we still have some by the coffee? Did you see? There, there, there are a few more there. And if you discern that somebody maybe doesn't want to connect on a Sunday morning, like this isn't their vibe, and yet they have a curiosity about who the real Jesus is, not the Jesus who uh, we've assumed him to be or the Jesus who is portrayed in some of the things they've seen and experienced, but the real Jesus who we, we see in Scripture. Um, if they have a curiosity about that, they don't have to come into this room to open up God's Word and to see what He has to say. Uh, I can, if, if you run into that situation, I can coach you in how to sit down and, uh, and, and open God's Word, and it's not going to be difficult because we're practicing a lot of the uh, a lot of the principles we're practicing them here every Sunday. Just some uh, questions to ask in order to help somebody discover the real Jesus. Um, so God has prepared us now, leading up to Easter, for a time of invitation and outreach. So. Engage in that, whether it's Good Friday blood drive, inviting somebody to the Easter service, sitting down and having a conversation over coffee about discovering who the real Jesus is. Um, as we go into the message today about control and about trusting God, let's pray. God, as we think about our uh, our friends and, and neighbors, I mean, I looked out my window and thought about my neighbors uh, across the street, and um, and I don't, I don't know the extent to which they know you, and God, you do, and you care for them, and you love them. I pray, God, that you would put in us that you would stir up a love for people, a, a love that uh, is not satisfied with just being complacent and seeing thousands of people separate from the body of Christ, the church, walk away from the, the hope that Jesus has to offer, I pray, God, that we would not be satisfied with that, that you would make us ready to have a, a conversation out of love, a conversation that brings hope, that brings joy a conversation that spreads the light of the world, Jesus Christ, right here in our neighborhood, in our communities. For your glory, God, and for our good, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, if you've ever played trivia with me, you know I get a little bit intense about it. Um, and uh, I'm pretty good at music trivia. My kryptonite, though, is country music. Uh, I just, like, if the answer isn't Patsy Cline, I don't, I don't know. Um, I was preparing for this, uh, for this message today, and the, a phrase came to my mind that I thought was a, a had a, a, a good, um, uh, like, a good feeling of uh, letting go and, and letting God, and the phrase that came to mind was, Jesus, take the wheel. And so I, I had to track that down a little bit. 
and I had no idea, you guys. Do you do you know? Um, do you know? Uh, some some of you are going, yeah, yeah. That, so that's a song. Wh- who's the uh, who's the person who made that song popular? Carrie Underwood. Like, you mean the American Idol person has planted that seed? I I hadn't. I don't think I'd even heard the song. Uh, d- but. And, and it was like 2005. You could have told me that that phrase comes from a song from 1945, and I totally would have believed you. Uh, 2005, Carrie Underwood wrote a song about uh, a, about a woman whose life is a bit out of control, and her car goes out of control, and she's uh, she, she's repeating this this sentiment, this chorus: "Jesus, take the wheel." I'm not sure if we do we have um uh do we have a graphic of Jesus and the wheels that he has taken um so that's just since 2005 uh you learn a lot on the internet um but Jesus take the wheel is it's an expression of surrender and um I had a, a meeting in Indianapolis a couple of years ago I took my son Isaiah with me who was about 20 years old at the time, and um, on our way home, after getting through Rockford, Illinois, you know, we're crossing over into Wisconsin, and um, and and I thought, uh, when when my son Isaiah, when he offered to drive the rest of the way, I thought I'd take him up on that. I'd, I'd be able to just relax, and um, so Isaiah, take the wheel. Um, now I ninety from Beloit to Janesville. I don't know if you've ever been on it. It's been under construction forever. And uh, I I could tell that it was stressing my son out a lot, which in turn stressed me out. I exercised self-control, deep breaths, just gently encouraged him to keep track of his speed, maybe twice, all the while consciously trying to trust him with the wheel, and just get some rest. Then we got pulled over. So years ago, a cop friend of mine was talking about pulling people over for speeding, and he shared a saying, nine, you're fine, ten, you're mine, meaning that he wouldn't pull someone over unless they were going at least 10 miles per hour over the speed limit. Now, I made the mistake of sharing that saying with my kids as an anecdote, not driving instructions. I actually heard one of my uh, adult children actually quote that back to me just a couple of days ago. I'm not going to (laughs) mention any names or who that is who's living by that saying. So as Isaiah pulled over for this, uh, this officer, I, I had that disappointed dad look on my face, and he was defending himself by saying, Nine, you're fine! Nine, you're fine! And it turns out that sometimes, nine, you're fined. So there's that. So looking back, I wish I had said, that's okay, son. I'm going to keep trusting you. Even though we got pulled over and got a fine, I'm going to keep trusting you to take us home. 
And instead, I focused on what I thought was the goal of Isaiah driving to me having a chance to rest. And since that wasn't happening at all, I took the wheel back. You put a lot of trust in someone when you give them the wheel, when you hand them control. People used to say another saying, maybe you've seen it like on bumper stickers. I haven't seen it for a long, long time. God is my co-pilot, which really, when you think about it, involves very little trust. And that's probably more accurate to how most people view God. It kind of, uh, if you imagine a co-pilot, it's kind of like saying, okay, I've, I've got this, God. You just relax until I get myself into trouble and I really need you. And then if you don't do things my way, the way I would prefer, I, I might demote you to flight attendant. Letting go of my will and my way in order to live life according to God's will in God's way involves trust. Another way to describe that trust is faith or belief. Sometimes we explain the good news of Jesus to people by quoting John 3.16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And we tell people, all you have to do is believe. Do you believe? Now, if we compare that to what James, the brother, the half-brother of Jesus, they grew up together. What James said, James chapter 2, starting in verse 19, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you, the New Living Translation says. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Intellectually agreeing that Jesus is the Son of God sent to take away the sins of the world is not the same as surrendering control of your life to him. What evidence is there that you've surrendered your will and your ways in order to live by his will and his ways? That's the kind of belief that we're talking about. If you have a hard time thinking of your last biggest step of faith or it was a long time ago, maybe it's time to evaluate how much you really trust God. Paul's letter to the gathered disciples in Rome has some important things to say about trust and control. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul helps us get a, a clear understanding about control. Well into his letter, Paul summarizes what Jesus did to save those who put their faith in him. He explains that none of us could ever earn salvation by being good enough for God's holy standard because we have a rebellious and sinful nature that constantly trips us up. So, Romans 8, verse 3, he sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have, and in that body, God declared an end to sin's control. 
over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the, requ- the just requirement of the law could be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. So the sacrifice of Jesus covers our shame from our sin. It, it clears our names. It makes us innocent in the eyes of God. It frees us to surrender to the lead of the Holy Spirit rather than our selfish appetites. As we continue in verse 5, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. And we like to think that we're in control, that we're autonomous and independent, and that if we look into our hearts and, and find our, our true selves, and if we're honest and, and genuine, we can choose our best life as we listen to our hearts. That's not the truth that we see in God's word, though. The truth is that every human being is ultimately under the control of one of two things, either the sinful nature that leads to death or the spirit that leads to life and peace. There's a lot more going on in Romans chapter 8. I encourage you to read the whole chapter and, and set aside some time to reflect on it, to meditate, to think about it, to pray about it. There's a lot happening there. He goes on, Paul goes on to describe what a lot of us have experienced in our Christian walk, that we can't take credit for any of it because we haven't controlled it. I didn't come to faith in Jesus by my own cleverness or, uh, or understanding or seeking it out on my own. He awakened me to the truth, and he worked through other people around me to articulate that truth, to say truth about Jesus. I didn't take my biggest steps of faith by my own courage and strength. He brought me to the ledge and gave me the courage to step off and find that he was there to carry me. I don't know what the future is, and I don't even know what's best for me. Kind of like a child doesn't always know what's best for them, even when their, their, their parents do. So I, I often don't know what to pray for. Paul explains in Romans chapter 8, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit intercedes for me, intercedes for us when we don't know what to pray for. The, the Holy Spirit communicates on our behalf to the Heavenly Father. There's so much going on that we don't control. The way of Christ is more about surrender than it is about what I can do autonomously, independently, on my own. It's more about surrender. And Paul articulates an important promise for us. 
something we can hold on to as we hand over control to him. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. This is a huge promise. Have you felt called by God? Did you respond to that call by putting your trust in him, by loving him, by receiving the gift of salvation that Jesus purchased for you on the cross? Are you striving to die to your old ways and surrender to his way daily? If so, this promise is a promise to you that God is intermingling everything, organizing and orchestrating every event in history into a good result for you. Do you trust him to do that? Sometimes we're in the midst of a crisis that's so far beyond our control. We cry out to God to come against the hurt and the chaos and the evil around us. And he doesn't pull us out of that crisis. Even in the midst of that, do we believe that he is fully aware of what we are going through that he cares for us more than we can know. And that he is managing a bigger picture than we could ever see in order to accomplish something more beautiful than we could ever imagine. That's the promise. The best and the worst of this world taken together and woven into beauty. We can't make it happen. He's working it all together as we speak, as we go about our daily lives. Do you trust him? When was your last biggest step of faith? One of the really tangible ways that Michelle and I have turned control over to God is in our finances. I remember meeting with a financial planner when we were, and we must have been about 27 years old. Uh, we had three little kids, a cocker spaniel, one income. Uh, I, th I think we must have been even younger than that as I'm thinking of it. Michelle's going, yeah. Were we in that, were we in the Oshkosh house? Oh, she's going, yeah. Oh, the Oshkosh house. Uh, Two kids, two kids at the time. See, I should have checked with her before I, before I did this. Because I'm thinking, we were, yeah, we, we were just kids our, ourselves. So two kids, a Cocker Spaniel, a 4,500-square-foot Victorian house split into three units that we had purchased and were landlords and in way over our heads. Um, 
Whew, the financial planner said one of the first things we needed to do was build up an emergency fund of $1,000 so that the inevitable storms of life wouldn't force us into debt. And we laughed. <laughs> we couldn't imagine how we would possibly save $1,000. Things were just too tight. $1,000 in the bank? Then he talked about saving for the kids' college, and we laughed even harder. Like, <laughs> you crazy. <laughs> then he looked at our giving to our church, which was uh, the churchy word is a tithe, 10% of our income. And he said, are you sure you want to do that? We could have easily had an emergency fund and college savings in place if we stopped tithing or at least throttled back. But we had been taught to give to God the first part of our income. Give 10% back to God who gave it all to you. He gives you 100%. And there are places in Scripture where we see evidence that he says, I'm giving you 100% of what you have, trust me by giving a little bit back to me. That's how we were taught to live on 90%. And he took care of us in miraculous ways as we trusted him. So yes, in answer to our financial planner, yes, we will keep doing that. And we've met with that same financial planner every year for must be almost 25 years now. And uh, he's seen how God took care of us as we transitioned from a corporate income to full-time ministry. God provided for us financially in miraculous ways as we added uh, more kids to our household, including two kids through international adoption. He provided for us financially in miraculous ways for our kids to pursue higher education. And all the while, instead of redirecting funds away from giving to God, we have incrementally increased the percentage that we're investing in kingdom work, including to this church. We met with our financial planner and his wife last month, and they told us that they started tithing. He said shortly after they took the step of faith, they got a significant bump in their revenues. And he asked us, do you see that kind of thing often? And I wondered at first if he meant if we see that in our own lives or in the people in the church. And either way, the answer is yes. Now, I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel here as if God's a vending machine where he gives us good things as long as we keep giving him money. That It's not that kind of transactional situation. It's a, uh, it's a situation where Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. Store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. And as we trust him, instead of trying to control everything, we get to see his faithfulness in action. You learn to trust him as you take steps of faith. 
You walk a path that might not make sense to the world, and it even defies your own preferences oftentimes because you believe that following the Spirit of God is the path to life and peace, letting the Spirit control you rather than letting your own agenda be in control. Surrendering control of our lives to God goes hand in hand with trusting that his plans are good. So as we practice that rad pattern, reflection, application, and discussion right now, I want to point out that we incorporate reflection into the Sunday morning event because we trust what Jesus said when he told his disciples they will be taught by God. We're trusting that God is teaching you something that maybe is a little bit different from what he's taught me, that he has something for you today. What is God teaching you today? That's reflection. And then we incorporate application because we trust what Jesus said when he told his disciples, all who love me will do what I say. And anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey is foolish. So we incorporate application because we're trusting that when Jesus said it's important to obey him, he was right. So what are you willing to do within the next couple of days in response to what God is teaching you today? And we incorporate discussion because we trust that the church is the body of Christ and he designed us to encourage each other, to lovingly correct each other, and to become more like Jesus together. A lot of people prefer the kind of Sunday event where you can walk in and, and, and be served with uh, a, a teaching and, and music and other uh, comforts and then walk out and critique whether or not that was one of the pastor's best sermons or if the band played the songs that you liked. Many people prefer that kind of a Sunday event over a, a Sunday event where you're sitting at a table and looking at each other, where instead of the lights being down so that uh, you can't see other people, we're letting light in. Uh, a, a setting where instead of making the music so loud that you can't hear yourself, that we're hearing each other sing to the Lord together. Because this is what we see in Scripture, and we're trusting God. But many people prefer to walk in and to be served and, and, and to walk out. I mean, people in this room, I'm, like, I'm not talking about weirdos. I'm talking about people in this room who I love, and yet, in trust to God, they're saying, boy, that would be easier. I would like that. 
I would like to have programs that, more programs that are serving me more, that are catering to me. And yet, I, I believe something important is happening. When disciples of Jesus come together, hear from God's word, reflect on what he's teaching, commit to doing something about it, and then encourage each other in relationship, in conversation. I'm grateful that people in this room, people online have set aside the ease of being fed by the pastor in exchange for the challenge of being led by the Spirit. Often an I will statement is a step of obedience that God brought to your mind that you would rather not do. Together, we're inviting each other and everyone who walks in these doors or who connects online to surrender your preferences and your plans to the Holy Spirit's control and to trust that God works all things together for the good of those who love them. So after a few minutes of quiet reflection right now, uh, we're going to connect for discussion. So take this time of quiet reflection to consider what is God teaching you? What are you willing to do about it? And if he brings someone to mind, who are you willing to share it with? So let's pray as we go into that time of reflection. God, somebody here, some of us needed to be reminded uh, that even in the, the mess that we experience, in, maybe in our own hearts and minds, maybe in our household, maybe in our neighborhood, maybe we see the mess that's going on around the world, that even in the midst of the mess, you work all things together for the good of those who love you and who are called according to your purpose. I pray, God, I pray, God, that we would be people who love you, that we would be people who trust, that you do see a bigger picture, that you are managing more than we can appreciate or understand. And God, that we would turn control of our lives over to the Holy Spirit, knowing that it's what's honoring to you and it's what is good for us. And God, let that be a witness to a watching world. Let disciples across this county be awakened to the need to trust your Holy Spirit, to give control to you. And God, let that transform life around us as we turn control over to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Take these next few minutes to quietly reflect.
Well, I don't know about you, but I could have used a, a little more time. Um, I don't want you to feel limited. What we're trying to do is set patterns that you can take out of this room. Uh, as, as I was reflecting, I was thinking about called according to his purposes and was reminded of a, a phrase I had heard, gathering for strength, scattering for light. Um, so what we're doing here is working on patterns that then you can follow outside of this space, outside of this room. That pattern of reflection and application and discussion isn't just for Sunday mornings. Uh, we're flexing some muscles here, working out so that we can move things in, in the world. So if you need more time to reflect, you take it. <laughs> you can do that this week. Right now what we're going to do is share with each other what God is teaching me, what I'm willing to do about it. And you might also share if you had an I will statement from last week and you're sitting with some of the same people, give an update on uh, how that went, what you did. And then share what you're willing to do in response to what God is teaching you this week. And we will catch up with each other again next week to gather for strength so that we can gather for light. So share in the chat, and we'll have conversations in here, and we'll catch up with you next week.